turn with me to Matthew chapter 28 and verses 1 through 10. We're continuing our series in Matthew, Gospel of the Kingdom. Chapter 28, verses 1 through 10 from the ESV reads as follows. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee And there they will see me. Today we want to talk from this thought. The king is risen from the dead. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, the king is risen from the dead. Amen. This morning, let us dive right into one of the most vivid and important portraits ever recorded in the annals of the written word. It is a description of an event complete with all of the details necessary to turn hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. Matthew writes with such a passionate and glowing prose, captivating his reader and drawing them in to the most important event in human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Previously, Matthew gave incredible detail regarding our King. Jesus the Christ and his crucifixion at the hands of the Jewish religious leaders and the Roman Empire. In the preceding 27th chapter, Matthew tells the story of a king arrested tried in a kangaroo court, set before his own people who preferred a known criminal insurrectionist named Barabbas instead of the admittedly innocent Jesus. Matthew tells us of a crowd so incensed with rage against our king that indeed they were willing to place themselves in a state of spiritual condemnation. 
in a clearly ironic gesture of truth. When they said this together, let his blood be upon us and our children. This statement does not appear in any of the other Gospels. And in later writings, it's known as the blood curse. Regarding this statement, John Chrysostom, Archbishop of Constantinople, said this. Observe here the infatuation of the Jews. Their headlong haste and destructive passions will not let them see what they ought to see. And they cursed themselves, saying, His blood be upon us, and even entailed the curse upon their own children. But watch this. Yet a merciful God did not ratify this sentence, but accepted such of them and of their children as repentant. For Paul was among them, and many thousands of those who in Jerusalem believed. In addition, my brothers and sisters, to subjecting our king to the indignities of choosing Barabbas over him. Matthew accounts for the details of the crucifixion, the agony of the cross, and the mocking of those who witness his suffering in a vivid prose. Matthew says, they cast lots. They gambled for, for his clothing. They offered him bitter and potentially poisonous drink. They hung him between two terrorists who also had the nerve to mock him. They even dared our king to selfishly use his power to save himself. Our king of kings forced to die under a sign that mocked him as king of the Jews. Here Matthew gives us a clear indication of what it took for our king to become ransom for our sin. This death was so horrific that even the father turned his back on his son. Our king, who had always called out father, When referring to God, now cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Matthew wants us to know that indeed the father forsook his own son because he loves us so much. Seems like we all get excited right there. So now the king is dead. Taken from a wooden cross. Placed in a new tomb owned by another man, Joseph of Arimathea. It is clear, brothers and sisters, that Jesus 
could borrow a tomb because he would not need it long. I wish I had somebody here today. It is here where we now see Matthew in this 28th chapter give us an account of the glorious event known as the resurrection of Christ. Let us unpack this text together. Matthew 28, 1 says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Now the Greek New Testament more literally reads, As the first day of the week was dawning. This is the time, as Jesus said, on the third day at the tomb, Matthew accounts for two women, Mary Magdalene and another Mary. Mark chapter 16 and 1 explains to us the reason they go to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus in order to give him a more appropriate embalming. It does not seem that they expect nothing more than to find the body of Jesus and to carry out their somber task. But when they get there, Matthew says, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. This is the second earthquake in three days. There was one when Jesus died. It was so powerful that the centurion who guarded him said, He must have been the Son of God. Look at somebody and tell them, God will shake up your world. Now, another great earthquake. The word for great in the Greek is mega. Mega. Why an earthquake? Earthquakes in Scripture are tied to divine activity. It's like God is saying something big just happened. Added to the earthquake is the appearance of an angel. The angel of the Lord descends from heaven. Down he comes, grabs the stone over the front of the tomb, and rolls it back. Now, now John says that he flung it aside and sits on it. What took several men to put in place, the power of the Lord flung it aside. Somebody got some stones in their life today, and you just need God to fling them aside. Hallelujah. He rose it back. John John says that, and and he looked like lightning. What is it to look like lightning? We hardly know because lightning is so fast. Imagine the brightness of lightning on a sustained basis. He is just that radiant. So brilliant that they could hardly look at him. The effect on the Roman guards is what the military now calls as being shell-shocked. 
It means that one is so overwhelmed by something that you are effectively paralyzed. They became like dead men, frozen in that moment. This is the guard at the tomb that was reinforced at the word of Pilate. Pilate said, send many troops. This tomb was made as secure as much as they were humanly able. These are not raw, new recruits. These are the best they had. And if you know the Roman army of old, that that is saying that they sent the best of the best. Yet even they cannot handle it. The earthquake, the sight of the angel of the Lord, it freezes them in fear. Now look what happens next. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Then go quickly. And tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I've told you. It's curious that what paralyzes the hardened Roman soldiers doesn't affect these followers of Jesus in the same way. Are they bewildered? Of course they are. Are they afraid? Yes, indeed. Anyone would be afraid at this sight. The angel's first words are to reassure them, don't be afraid. Like these fellows over here that are frozen, that are stuck, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then the most wonderful words of announcement ever made. He is not here. Oh, I wish I had somebody today. He is not here. He is risen as he said. Did they understand? Probably not. The fact is, they were not expecting this. These women came carrying spices and materials to complete the burial process. They weren't anticipating anything. The angel invites them to look in the tomb For themselves. See where he lay. You will see he's not here. And I want to throw this in for free for you today. There are many of us that are burdened by many things. You need to take a moment and look and see that he's not in the tomb. He has risen just like he said. The fact, the fact, though, that the tomb was empty was not in itself proof of the resurrection. Later on, the Pharisees will try and spread a rumor that his disciples stole his body. And the scripture says that that rumor persists even to this day. Tomb raiders, not tomb resurrection. But you combine the empty tomb with an angelic appearance And a major earthquake, and it makes you start thinking, doesn't it? Maybe Jesus was risen. Now comes the moment for these women. 
So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. They came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. As they were reacting in a very understandably human manner. That is, they were filled with joy and the overpowering urge to find those who walked with Jesus, those who were likely hurting just as they were, those who did not know the next turn in the road in their own lives. These women were running to share the news they received from the angel. He is not here. He has risen as he said. This is why. The truth of the gospel must be preached, shared, and heard in the ears of those who need it the most. It is a message for those in the despair of sin that changes their mourning into gladness. Is there anybody here today that had your mourning changed to gladness? Is there anybody here that had your sadness changed to celebration? Everything changes when you believe the gospel. Some came today in various states of mourning, but you can leave today in gladness because he's not in the tomb. Oh, I wish I had somebody here. He's not in the tomb. He's risen just like he said. They were on their way, these women, to share this great news. They saw a familiar face. Now, I can imagine as they looked in the distance, they looked like, no, no, I can't. It favors. He's about the same height. He, he, he has the same features. But what he's wearing looks different. Then the last time that we saw him, they, they looked and they, and, and, and they saw this, this familiar face. And then they heard a familiar voice say, greetings. Now the church I grew up in, every now and then they would sing that old song. I heard the voice of Jesus say, come unto me and rest. You see... Jesus was standing before them, the final proof necessary to confirm what the angel had said. Truly, he has risen. Notice their reaction to the risen Savior. They took hold of his feet. They took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. Now, Matthew wanted us to know that Jesus was risen in the flesh, that he was not a spirit because no one can take hold of a spirit. Indeed, he was risen in the flesh, which would dispel the false teaching of those who, do not, who did not believe in a bodily resurrection. Then Jesus Give some instructions to the women. Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. 
Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. He tells them to not to fear. He gives them a task. Go and tell my brothers. I love that phrase, my brothers. Just let that marinate in your mind for a minute. Jesus says, my brothers. Here, they rightly worshipped him as God. Yet, his humility that Paul talked about in Philippians chapter 2, where he made of himself no big thing. His humility viewed the disciples as his brothers. Our God is transcendent. That means he's over all things, but he's also imminent which means he's with us at the same time. Go to Galilee. There they will see me. The scripture teaches us that these women delivered their message. Peter and John run to the tomb and find it empty. Jesus appears several more times, and each time there's great fear and great joy. Do not be afraid is the most repeated phrase in the Bible. Look at your neighbor and say, do not be afraid. Do, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And truly, because of the resurrection of Jesus, we never have reason to be afraid again. He is risen just like he said. This is Matthew's account. An event as magnanimous and monumental as the resurrection of Jesus is bound to leave us, brothers and sisters, with questions that beg answering. Perhaps the most important of these is, what does this mean? It certainly means many things, but right here, right now, I invite you to focus your attention on the future. What does this resurrection mean for your future. There is one thing true about our lives. We remember the past and live in the present. But at some point, we are confronted with the possibilities of the future. I know this is true in my own life. My past is well remembered by me. And unfortunately, by many who know me. Okay, come on, say something if you just wish you could wave a wand and, and all your friends and loved ones would forget all the crazy stuff you did. <laughs> huh? <laughs> come on, walk with me here. You know, I, I was the kid. I was the kid that God chose for ministry at a young age. And many said of me like they said of Jesus. Can good, any good thing come out of Raymond Dix Jr.? I was the one who surprised people then. And may, and may still be surprising people now with the reality that God is using me in this way. My humility is in the truth that even now God is using a person so undeserving as I to preach his gospel and share his word. Perhaps you're here today. 
and you are thinking of your past, wondering just what effect it has on your present, even as you ponder your future. This happens to many of us, but as you think about your future, let me remind you that Jesus came and did what he did on that cross, rose from that borrowed grave just so you could have a secure future right now. Right now. The future is here because Christ is risen, as he said. Right now, you have the chance to embrace a real future, one that is secure by the declaration of Jesus when he told Martha at the tomb of Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. See, Martha was saying, you don't understand, Lord. My, my brother has been in the grave four days, and, and, and the people were saying, we can't roll this stone back. It's a smell that's going to come out. By now, four days, he stinketh. Oh, I wish I had somebody that really connected that this morning. Some of us been in our sins so long. Oh, I wish I had somebody. Some of us been there so long, we don't realize that, that sin stinketh. <laughs> I wish I had somebody tell the truth in here this morning. Hmm? He says, I am. The resurrection and the life. Martha, you don't realize who you're talking to this morning. You think that because Lazarus has been dead for days that that somehow that means something to me. You don't understand who I am. I am the resurrection and the life. In me, he that was dead shall live. And he says, I am, not I will be, but I am right now in the present. He then calls Lazarus from the grave, from death to life. He says, Lazarus, come forth. He didn't have to say it twice. I wish I had somebody... When God sets you free, when God delivers you, all he has to do is speak one time. Oh, you remember when they were in that boat on the Sea of Galilee and the storm was rising and they said, Master, don't you care if we perish? Jesus just got on and said, Peace, be still. He didn't have to repeat himself. The wind and the waves obeyed his will. Such a man as this, he spoke one time, Lazarus, get on up. Lazarus walked from death to life. This is what he wants to do for you, to call you from death to life. The believers in here around you may look like we've always had it together. We may be dressed this morning in our Easter best. We may look like we've never come up the rough side of the mountain. We may look like 
that we have everything in order. We may look like that all is well, but let me tell you something. It's some believers in here that this morning had to pray hard. I wish I had somebody here. Look at somebody and say, thank God that I don't look like what I've been through. I don't look like the problems that I've had. See, because when they took Lazarus out the grave, Jesus said something to him. He said, get them deaf clothes off of them. I wish I had somebody here. When you come from death unto life, he takes off your dying crowd and he puts on your resurrection garment. That resurrection garment is a praise garment. And that's why I got a song that the angels cannot sing. I got a praise that Gabriel doesn't have. See, my praise is different than the praise of the angels. The angels were created in God's glory to glorify him, but they don't know what it's like to be delivered from the pit of hell unto heaven, from death unto life. I got a praise. God's kingdom is here. And now, because the king of the kingdom has come. And from now on, new life and eternal life are available today for any who would believe in him. He is risen. Just like he said. He told them that if you destroy this, this body, this temple is destroyed. In three days, I'll raise it up. They thought he was talking about Solomon's temple. How can you build a temple in three days? What, he did, what they didn't realize, he was talking about his temple. He said, you can take this body, put it on the cross, nail it, and kill it. But in three days, hallelujah. And when the angel gave the testimony, he is risen just like he said. Truth came to earth. To die and be resurrected. And I say to you today, if you're here and you have not received Jesus as your Savior, he's risen just like he said. He died, was buried, and rose again for your sins. Every one of us, every one of us today 
can come to the Lord. And as you stand on your feet in this room today, 